0: In this episode, I spoke to Dominic Milton Trott, author of the book, The Drug User's Bible. We spoke about the realities of this world and how to mitigate the risks you have if you've decided to take certain substances. This episode is not to encourage drug usage, but better inform people about this taboo subject and to mitigate risks that are associated with these substances before and after you have made your own decisions. Why did you write the book, Uh, Drug User's uh, Bible?
1: Um, I wrote it because um, the story basically is that uh, I was a normal sort of person with respect to drugs. I'd had um, cannabis at university and one LSD experience in my early 20s. That was it, by and large. Um, And then I sort of retired from the job. I worked for myself from home for the last 10 years of my working life. Uh, And I'm sort of coming to an end with that because I always had the plan that I wouldn't work just to accumulate wealth. I'd work until I felt I had enough to live until I died. So I was coming to that stage and started looking around and and sort of watching videos and and basically Studying philosophy, really, I guess. What what is the meaning of of existence and of re- reality and life? And and I, I came across a video by uh, Terence McKenna, who you've probably heard of. Yeah. Uh, and he was talking about ayahuasca in in the Amazon, uh, and I was quite intrigued by that because he the way he presented it that basically went and you, you had a drink and it was safe, relatively. And then you had a four or five hour visionary experience, and you you gain different perspectives on life. So I was sort of thinking, "Well, oh, that's really interesting." So I, I sort of studied that, and I realized in time that really, you know, why don't I do that? Why don't I go to Peru and 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 try that? Mm. Um, I didn't want to go over there as a sort of drug virgin in terms of psychedelics, at least. I wanted to sort of. You know, have some experience because I guess most people who go over and try a ayahuasca are experienced. So I started a a few sort of small experiments at home, uh, researching on drug forums and just trying a few low doses. Um, But I did notice that people on the drug forums, some of them would disappear, and word would occasionally get back that they'd died, Uh, and and. After a period, it became relatively obvious that they were dying because they'd made a mistake, not because, you know, drugs were killing them, that they, they were experienced people and they made this slipped up or they'd done something wrong. Uh, and I was sort of interested in that because I thought, well, you know, if you do something wrong and you make a mistake, usually it's because of, you know, your lack of error or maybe compl- lack of knowledge, lack of information, maybe complacency. You know, why isn't there... Um, something that that basically prevents that happening in a, a, a book or an Excel spreadsheet or a website. And there were a few websites around, but it was, you know, it, a lot of the drugs that were being experimented with were research chemicals, and the window when I couldn't find sources uh, for some of the drugs I was starting to sort of explore. Anyway, I, I started as I did the exploration and uh, these small experiments. I kept a spreadsheet of what the drug was and what dose I'd had and what what, what the subjective effect was. And then I went to Peru and had the ayahuasca experience. Um, and it was shortly after that that I guess that gave me a sort of, you know, spark of, well, I would like a book. You know, if I'm mm-hmm. going to take drugs and, and because I'm, because, because, because I'm old, older, um, you know, if I'm going to, take a drug that I've never taken before whatever that might be you know I'd I'd quite like to sort of pick up a book and turn to the page and and have it there the sort of doses that people usually take and how long does it last and uh how long does it take to take effect uh and what's it like and what does it look like you know just the basic information of, of for harm reduction purposes I I find that really valuable but there wasn't a book there isn't a book. Yeah. Uh, this one. Um, and it was around there, I'd got in back from Peru for a few months and I sort of realised that, you know, it's not just me. People are dying. And if there was a book that people could actually refer to easily and quickly and and readily, you know, that would be really useful and it might actually save some lives. Um, and by that time I'd done 20, 30 drugs and 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 I had the basic information so I thought, I'll, I'll start doing this uh, and see where it goes, and start writing the book. And of course, when you're writing a book and you have got to, you become motivated because people are still dying, mm. uh, you, you sort of really get obsessed with it, or I did. And you know, it took 10 years to, to do this. Um, and I, I, I was really sort of full-time at it during that period. Um, and uh, I'm not saying I didn't enjoy it because I enjoyed large parts of it but parts of it I didn't enjoy and had some bad experiences uh, but it was that's basically how the book came about it was just a time of life and because I'd retired I had my life savings really to to pay for the travel um, and to pay for the, the drugs um, and uh, it just seemed a really really worthwhile thing to be doing at this stage in my life.
0: What drug do you think was the most dangerous to take? Which one would you say
1: there's more um,
0: bad than good you can get out of it?
1: I think it, a lot depends on how you're taking the drug and what what steps you're taking to safeguard yourself. I mean, there are you know it's it's quite a few drugs you know, quite easily die from an overdose by mistake, very easily by because it's not it immediately obvious, you know, what the dose is or whether this you know it's the dose sensitivity and you know, but I mean there there are two sort of classes of drugs that I would suggest are simply not worth experimenting with even even once. I mean the book isn't to tell people not to do drugs, it's for people who are doing, going to do drugs to make sure that they're equipped with information and knowledge so that they, they're less likely to come to some form of harm. But the two classes of drugs are, are, are sort of really are a bit, uh, come across a bit are slightly strong on our delirience. Um And they are, and you know, people confuse them often with psychedelics. Psychedelics are, you know, a trip and... and uh, you know, the sort of experience of, of different perspectives. And, and it's a sort of classical uh, description of the psychedelic is quite well known. And delirium isn't like that. The deliriant um, uh, basically separates your mind from the reality around, around you. Your sensory organs interpret everything differently. And uh, a lot of people, in total lots of percentage but a lot of people end up doing dangerous things like putting their head in a in a gas oven or putting their hand in hot water because they don't know what they're doing it's delirium if you're delirious if you're suffering from delirium it's a stay close to death and you, you, you know people people become delirious when they're dying uh, and and in, in traumatic situations so it's it's not an area that you know should be uh, explored uh, recreationally uh, by anyone other than experienced shaman. Which um,
0: substances do come under the delirium? Uh
1: datura, which is a a plant, uh detura seeds, and nutmeg, which is a spice. Um, and and that's usually the sort of often the headline that the media pick up on when they're discussing uh, which drugs are. Are particularly dangerous uh, because obviously it's a surprise. People have nutmeg in the home. The the problem is if you have too much nutmeg, it can kill you. Uh, you 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 will enter a delirious state. Uh, I mean, for me, I was uh, that was my first bad drug experience. I was I, I, and that happened when I was in my twenties. Uh, okay. Before I even, you know, I, I I read in a in a tiny book by. Adam not got leave. I think I think the guy a little tiny book of various plants that that, that create uh, psychoactive experiences and one of them was nutmeg so I, I'll try that and I, I always remember it was about eight o'clock on a Saturday evening uh, and, and I had made nutmeg tea with nutmegs uh, and I was really disappointed because about ten o'clock nothing had happened mm. and I was it oh, didn't work. So I went to bed uh, about two o'clock in the morning. I, I woke up and I was lying in bed and you know, I felt like dizzy. The The ceiling was spinning around. I had pain in my head uh, and I needed to go to the toilet. I needed to go to the loo. Um, so I crawled out of bed. I couldn't stand up and I was crawling on my hands and knees across the the floor and and, and my hands were sort obviously delirious. Hands were going in and coming out like like sort of you know they were sticking and, and it was it was really like treacle and and I couldn't I couldn't actually manage to urinate when I got to the toilet and I just remember everything was sort of whizzing around and not in a nice way in a really really dizzy horrible way painful way everything was bright colours and I got to bed and then. And the next day, I was so ill, you know, the mother of all hangovers. And the day after, I was ill. um, And I was, I was, didn't recover for over a week. Uh, And it was, it was a a really appalling experience. And, you know, I could have caused serious damage. Um, And that, Nutmeg, Datura, similar. Um, And the problem with Datura people here that, well, Sherman's used Detura and it's been, you know, I'll, I'll try Detura. I mean, there's a lot of problems with Detura. One, it's a delirium, as just described for, for Nutmeg. And another one is the Detura seeds. One seed can be six times more powerful than the next seed. So if you have one seed, it could be equivalent of six weaker seeds. Uh, and if people have three or four seeds, and they're thinking I mean, maybe the don't see five or six seeds, they could be having 40 seeds. In the equivalent of it you just get particularly strong bats. So measuring the dose by by counting seeds uh, is straight off the bat it's a really dangerous and, and risky enterprise. Uh, and people get into serious trouble with deterioration and, uh, and people die. Uh, and pop, some die from the uh, the, the poison, uh, the, the effects of the deterioration. Commonly, people die by walking in front of buses or doing yeah. ridiculous things because they don't know what they're doing. Um, they're in a different place. Uh, so deliriums, I would, I would, I would say, particularly dangerous uh, and not, not to be uh, tampered with really, unless you really, really know what you're doing and and, um, and uh, you really, really experienced. Uh, and uh, so, virtually nobody watching this video is, is properly equipped to do that. So I would steer clear of of that of those. The other class of drug are synthetic cannabinoids, and they come with they come with a, a an interesting backstory as well. Uh, in uh, synthetic cannabinoids uh, were developed chemically developed and synthesized uh, because cannabis was 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 illegal. So in, you know, in this country, which was a major, major market in the UK, um, you know, it was, if there was an alternative a cannabis-like drug that was legally available, it was always going to be popular. And that's what happened uh, something like 20 years ago, 15 to 20 years ago, a chemical called JWH018 was put on the market and sold under the brand name Spice. And that's what, you know, Spice is... is is now used as a sort of generic name for for all synthetic cannabinoids. And and that's not what it really is. Spice was a brand name that somebody came up with to market this individual chemical, JWH018. And then another similar chemical, I think it was uh, JWH073. Um, So there was several of these uh, first-generation synthetic cannabinoids. And I say synthetic, First generation because what came next was quite horrific um, they were very you know they they were they, 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 they were somewhat like cannabis but with certain certain facets missing and others present so you could see why they were they were sort of sold as cannabis with replacement in in in, in parts of the world where cannabis was illegal um, and the experience was was at risk, but it, it was, you know, people were, were, were having it frequently and, and the uh, number of fatalities was relatively low, but then they got banned. So when uh, the JWs were banned, uh, the chemists came up with another set of chemicals, uh, synthetic cannabinoids, which were slightly more removed from cannabis, slightly more toxic and then they were banned, and so the chemists came up with a third generation uh which were even more toxic and even more removed so you can see that the chemists the chemists were being sort of chased further and further into into dangerous territory with their creations um would they be more
0: expensive would each one be more expensive they'd be the same price they were more
1: expensive same price Okay. they were they, they were they were simply trying to create a drug that was legally available okay um, and every time they the the set of uh, cannabinoid was made illegal they would then find another uh, tweak it and make it uh, some sort of other creation that was was of the same class but it was it tended to be more toxic uh okay. and to some degree stronger So you had this sort of creepy legislation chasing uh, drug development into a really dark route, Uh, and and that's when we ended up with with people zombified on the streets. Mm -hmm. You know the drug brands like Black Mamba, which were with five FAKB forty eight, which is far far more toxic and and dangerous than the original JWH-018. Um, so, and, and and to be absolutely honest, you know, that's the set of play today where, you know, these JWs are really hard to to come by, if, if at all possible. And the cannabinoids on the market, the synthetic cannabinoids on the market, uh, are of the toxic variety. Um, so, and I would say that, you know, definitely not an area to play in. If, if, you know, if you eat for, you know, I wouldn't advise anyone to break the law, but, you know, if, if I was putting my life on the line versus breaking the law and having cannabis, I'd go for cannabis. Okay. Because the risks with the, the, the sort of later generations of, uh, of synthetic cannabinoids. Uh, for job, public, I mean, yeah, there are going to be people who are really expert in these things, but that's a small number. For the, for the regular users, I would, I would suggest you absolutely do avoid the uh, synthetic cannabinoid drugs and uh, and be very, very careful. I had some terrible experiences. Of, you know, lying. You know. The, the, some people suffer a degree of paranoia or anxiety when they have cannabis, and, and and depends on the strain to some degree. And yeah, and I'm familiar yeah. with that, and and, and uh, that's applied to me on occasion. The uh, the paranoia and anxiety of, of these things is just off the scale. Of, you know, of, you know this, this, a couple of times I've, I, I've ended up in bed, curled up in fetal position, just thinking, please, you know, just get through this and soon. Uh, you know, quite terrified, but at least by the time this happened to me, uh, I was experienced and understood it would end yeah. after, a, after a certain period. If, if you know, there the will be people out there who, 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 who tamper and, pl- and play with these particular drugs who aren't aware, you know, the ORN experience, maybe it's the first drug experience, yeah. and suddenly, wow. You know they're in this sort of area of, of immense paranoia and trauma and they don't know if it's ever going to end and that would yeah. you know magnify the the horror of it significantly um, so they're the two classes of drugs I would I would I would advise against um, you know just read the sections in the book if you got the book They they you know I'm, I'm very very clear on what the problems are and what what I found were the uh you know that my own personal horror stories, uh, and how the history unfolded, and and uh, and what can happen. What drugs would
0: you say do more good than bad? Which drugs are you you reckon can change your life for the good rather than the bad?
1: Well, the, the the drugs I found to be, you know, every drug comes with some sort of risk. Everything comes with risk. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But in terms of 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 harm, the most benign drugs in terms of relative harm are psychedelics, Um, and and that I think is fairly well known and fairly well established. Nobody ever died of a LSD overdose, uh, although from the media you wouldn't actually know that. Um, And I've I found uh, psychedelics generally to be, for me personally, beneficial. Uh, Because, uh, you know, I know that I'm not consuming mostly anything toxic. I know that mushrooms aren't going to create a serious health problem. Uh, LSD isn't. Um, But the the journey itself, ayahuasca, was another San Pedro cactus mescaline, Um, had some really... Positive experiences, opportunity to see things from a different perspective, uh, new insights uh, on my own life, uh, and I think generally they made me a, a kinder and gentler person over a period of time. Um, but uh, you know, having said all that, it's it's I think it's probably unwise to 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 go crazy with these things. You know, I was of this sort of saying you can always take more, but you can't take less. Yeah. So for any drug, including psychedelics, if you're unfamiliar with with the effects and you're inexperienced, um, I would suggest that it's a good idea to to start on more doses and just feel and experiment and to find out whether that's really for you. Um, and do the research to establish if there's any problems with respect to your own. Uh, you know, if you if you've suffered from psychotic ep- uh, episodes or psychosis, you know maybe think about that and perhaps not proceed. But if you're healthy and you're really intending to to have drug experiences, the the most valuable in my life have been psychedelics.
0: What age would you reckon people should wait until they start experimenting with drugs? Do you reckon they they should? Well, have
1: a, I have a I have a section at the start called. Uh, if you are not an adult, yeah, and I try and explain that, that you know, if you're not an adult, your brain is still developing, um, you know, your psychology is still putting itself together, yeah. um, and you should wait. You know, don't succumb to peer pressure. Don't uh, don't be impatient. You don't yeah. need to have. Uh, any drug experience, and that includes alcohol until you're an adult, because it's, you know, and and one of the things I do say is, you know, I'm a guy who's had 182 different drugs, and I've I've written a book on it, and I've had quite a few of those drugs many, many times, Um, and I'm I'm saying this, uh, it's it's not the police, it's not the, the law enforcement, it's not the government, I'm advising you if you are not an adult to hang on and really think about it, and, and and I would suggest it's it's a bad idea to to start playing with your your mind and your body uh, before it's fully developed. You've got would a you, long time ahead to do yeah. that. Would you say
0: they should wait until their mid to late twenties before starting? As long as the, the
1: as, as long as the they the, the can, I guess. I mean, there's going to be you know. I I'd I would I have started if I was if I knew what I knew now? Yeah, I probably worked in my mid twenties and until I was fu- fully formed and developed, uh, I wouldn't race into into it. Uh, I mean, the stupid things I've done in my life in terms of intoxication were, were, were largely when I was young and inexperienced, mm-hmm. you know, uh, and and the risk, you know. And I look back and I think, oh well, that, you know, I could that could have gone wrong, you yeah. know, or you know and and I think um, you know there there isn't a rush to take drugs. Uh, if it's something you, you you are attracted to and you want to experience in your life, I can' understand that, but there's absolutely no need to actually do it when your your mind and body are not fully developed. Uh, you know strongly strongly suggest that that you wait
0: okay. Uh, so, which drug did you enjoy the most?
1: Um There are there are several answers to that, and 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 the the first qualifier for it are it depends what time after at any particular time.
0: Okay.
1: If if I want, if I want to grow and want to analyze, you know, philosophically what's around me,
0: yeah,
1: I would go for LSD, um, and uh, or one P LSD, one of its analogs. possibly mushrooms, but I mean, I, I do like LSD. Yeah. Uh, if I want a, uh, although one of the best psychedelic experience was, was the San Pedro cactus, uh, that, that's, which has mescaline just inside the green uh, skin, uh, that was a, a, a really sort of rewarding experience for me. Uh, if I want a body, body high, um, and, and I want to be wired and really sort of alive. Um, I would have possibly amphetamine or methadone, uh, but and this is a but um, there are there are potential risks which you know you know are must absolutely be mitigated with any stimulant, uh, understanding what. You know what what the ride is going to be. That there's going to be a depletion of serotonin and dopamine the following days. You're going to be depressed. Uh, the dose you've got to absolutely be careful about. And what, one 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 tip I do give for um, for some of these drugs, methamphetamine in, in particular, some of the stimulants is only have available what you what you plan to actually use. Uh, I, was, I mean, for me, it was methamphetamine, which is, of course, something to amphetamine speed. Um, I know that uh, had I not done that, yeah, I would have carried on binging on this stuff indefinitely until I had <laughs> none left. Whatever, whatever <laughs> I had, <laughs> if I'd have had two, three grams, I would have sat here and, uh, well, what didn't have it here, but I would have, I would have continued to take it and compulsively redose until it to gone. Okay. that's what would have happened um, but I, I thought of, I'd researched that intensively because I knew it so this is one of those drugs that that famously uh, people people have problems with yeah okay. uh, so well, I'm, I'm not going to have a hundred milligrams but I'll I'll make sure I've got no more than a hundred and of course I, I took the rest away I couldn't get it of course I had the full hundred. And I was gagging for, for more of it. I was looking around for a different bit. Have I missed some of it? Can I scrape more off the packet? And okay. um, and that can happen with, with stimulants, and that can certainly happen with methadrone. It can happen with speed, and it can happen with a lot of the others as well. So although the feeling is, is, uh, is extreme pleasure, uh, no point in hiding that, uh, there is a payload, and the payload is... That you you, you basically uh, you are dicing with danger. You do have to mitigate the risk significantly and be really really careful, and you do have to pay the price uh, in subsequent day or days. Uh, you know there's no escaping that. And again, I have a a little page at the front there with various graphs on which, and it's headed "What goes up must come down." Yeah. And what that means is what people tend to do is. You know, alcohol's a really good example of it. Oh, I'm going out on Friday night. Can't wait. I'm gonna have a great time. And they see their drug experience, which is the alcohol drug, as the Friday night. Well, that's just not true, is it? The drug experience is the, the moment you start drinking to the moment when you're fully recovered. And if you're having five, six, seven pints of, of beer, you know, the next day you are still in the in the midst of a drug experience. The hangover the hangover or you're you're sluggish or you're not quite with it Uh, and maybe even the day after so you know what comes up must come down you've got this curve of you're up and then you're coming down you go below base because you're suffering and you're not back to normal Um, that applies to stimulants and you're going to have that with 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 uh, you know if you have a, a significantly large dose with with any of the major stimulants cocaine or you're going to have a downside uh, subsequent to the to the uh, to the main event. Um, other other favourite drugs I would say uh, there's a class of drugs called dissociatives and the famous you know the famous dissociative is ketamine um, and and my favourite dissociative is one that's called efedrine uh you know dissociatives are really interesting class of drugs because you can have you can have insights a bit like psychedelics it's sort of you know the it, it, ketamine was, was, has been used as a horse tranquilizer and when i approached this class of drugs i thought oh, this is going to be really boring because i'm just going to be tranquilized you know, it's a horse tranquilizer so I'm, I'm going to be sort of sedated heavily sedated which isn't really you know my bag, and that was going to be much very enjoyable. Uh, well, absolutely nothing like that at all. I could not have been more more wrong. I was, I was, I was sort of immediately uh, there was a sedating effect, so I, and and this stopped me being frightened because I was confronted with this weirdness, with with all the all the uh, dissociatives, but phenydaine in particular, because that was a. a, a you, you tend to snort ketamine, whereas you eat uh, and that makes it last longer, but it takes longer to come on. So I, 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 st- I started with my dissociative experiences with aphenidine, and, and, and you sort of feel something's not right here. You know, everything's just slightly off-key. And when you're moving a, a, around, because you're slightly uh sedated you sort of smooth you feel like you're sort of floating around and walking around and and fortunately the sort of initial alarm and there is an initial, not an initial alarm when i'm thinking oh god you know this is really weird you know what's it what's happening uh that soon passes because the drug itself is a sort of has a sedating effect so after a few after a short while i was Oh, well, again, yeah, it is pretty weird, but it's mm-hmm. weird in an interesting way rather than weird in a really frightening way, which is where I was initially starting getting the uh, pangs of anxiety. Um, so dissociative is really interesting, uh, and ephenadine was was uh, was my was my favorite uh, dissociative other drugs I mean, I've never really enjoyed opioids. Um, heroin and, and uh, morphine and, uh, you know, oxycodone and um, all the rest of them um, that I document. Uh, for me, they, they're just, they create a neutral, so I think i describe it like it's a comfort bubble. You know, you, you go into a, all the wars of your world and all your troubles disappear. Um, and you're thinking, oh, Goodness for that. So if you if you're carrying a lot of burden in your life, uh, I can see why people would think this is great um, and keep coming back to it. Uh, But if you're not carrying a lot of burden, then you know maybe that's not quite the case for a lot of people. It wasn't for me, Um, although yeah, I enjoyed those experiences. Yeah, I, enjoyed, I enjoyed heroin until the point at which uh, I'd had too much and this is another every time I had a, 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 an error like this it made me more determined to do this book and do it properly. And, you know with heroin, I got to that point where I was oh, everything's fine, I feel quite happy you know mood left slightly, no anxiety whatsoever about anything in my life. Um, but I wasn't sure what the dose was. I'd read on Arrowhead, um about people keep having 10 milligram doses or five very tiny lines and snorting them. Uh, and so I carried on doing that. But I got to a point where I started feeling, oh, I feel a bit seasick. You know, like I'm on a boat. So sort I of feel a bit sickly, a bit weird. Uh, never mind, I'll have another line. <laughs> and then, and then, the sort of seasickness got more and more intense, and I ended up having to to go, you know, lie in the bed in the hotel, um, and then I vomited, and that caused a bit of a, a panic. It didn't cause a panic because I was I was under the influence of heroin. It, it caused a bit of a sort of you know what the hell's going on? I better go and find out what what why I've been sick. Is this normal? So I searched on Google and it turned out that um, uh, being sick, especially for a first time or early user, being sick is a sign that it's high-quality heroin. (laughs) Well, thank you for that. That is something I should have picked up before uh, I actually embarked on the the experiment. So uh, the next day I had a hangover. Uh, and, and as if you have too much of a, an opioid, you you have a very much an alcohol-like hangover. You know, the sort of they, they, the aftermaths are slightly different in nature. The the you know the methamphetamine and the, the speed, the the, the aftermaths uh, of those class of drug stimulants. So sort of, you're drained and you're depressed and you can't be bothered doing anything. The aftermath of heroin was very much like alcohol where I actually felt ill, I've got a headache, you know, I feel weary, uh, sluggish, and I'm not well. Um, So, uh, you know, I've never never really derived that much pleasure. And I think it's, I think the people, you know, this isn't a rule, but it's a sort of generality that uh, people who are carrying a lot of burden and problems and pain in their lives are more likely, far more likely to become addicted to heroin and opioids than people who were a relatively happy and fulfilled lives. And I think um, there was a, um, the Vietnam war springs to mind with that respect because a hell of a lot of US soldiers in Vietnam were were heavy users of, of heroin. And the United States were really worried about the government that when these guys come back, there'd be a massive, uh, a massive problem with heroin addiction across the country Uh, that didn't happen and the reason it didn't happen is these guys were in in an intensely stressful situation
0: oh
1: okay so when they got back and they had connections with families and they had busy lives and they were communicating that tended not to happen i'm not saying some people did did come to but generally this this massive problem that was anticipated didn't emerge so opioids I've never, never really thought much of in terms of deriving uh, significant pleasure from, nor sedatives uh, and tranquilizers. You know, a lot of people get addicted and love the Xanax and diazepams and, and and so forth. Um, I mean, there's. I've used, you know, apart from the fact that I tried them all for the book, uh, I've only ever used them for sleep sleeping aids and to kill a kill a trip or to to, to fall asleep after you know one of the one of the side effects of obvious, obvious effects of, of of stimulants is that you're gonna struggle to sleep yeah. uh, and uh, you know, and uh, trips as well uh, with psychedelics you, your mind is sort of not really particularly sleepy so I've only ever really used it, that class of drugs for to try and get to sleep and to to close down a, a drug experience. But um, um, you know, a lot of people do do uh, do like that sort of drug and and uh, and become addicted to it. But um, you know, I've never really derived that much pleasure from the sedative tranquilizers.
0: Could you explain? Because some people. Have- um, understand like what what are uppers and what are uh, downers? Are they called downers? Or
1: yeah, uppers are are um, stimulants that stimulate you. Like would
0: drug? Okay, yeah,
1: cocaine and downers. Downers are your diaries, palms and your Xanaxes that sedate you. Um, I mean, they do. You know, there's more to it than they just make you quiet. And you know, the feeling is quite blissful. You know, when 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 I've and i described it in the book, it's it's quite nice while it's happening, but mm-hmm. it's not a an exciting journey of 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 joy, you know, like like a like a stimulant can be or a dissociative can be, you know, I think really high and happy, and you know, from you know, it, it's more of a sort of comfort, bliss, mood lift. Oh, I'm quite happy uh, uh, rather than really buzzing and. Uh, and, and alive, um, so uh, you know it's, a, a lot of this is subjective. I mean, as I said, some people will like do like and swerve by the uh, the sedatives and the uh, and, and and the uh, anxiolytics, uh, but I'm not one of them. I like stimulants, and I like dissociatives, like psychedelics. It's a personal preference, but and luckily the taking away the the stimulants, uh, which uh, you have to be really careful in, in terms of addiction, because you know they are they are very addictive. Um, you know the the psychedelics and the dissociatives, are the ones that are sort of are sort of generally, and cannabis uh, to some degree. I I, I do still uh, enjoy from time to time when the situation presents itself. Do you usually travel to different locations to get the
0: experience other than Peru? Yeah, Have you gone to any other places?
1: I've been to um, about 30, 40 different countries during the last oh, year wow. uh, nice. for, for, for various reasons. I mean, one reason was um, I always found it more instructive, more valuable to have have a drug in, in its natural habitat, and its authentic setting. And you know, ayahuasca is a is a classic example of that. With the shaman in the Amazon uh, the ayahuasca experience, that's how it's traditionally been consumed. Uh, but obviously there are lots and lots of other examples right through to the last experience I had was uh, was snus. And snus is, is a sort of form of tobacco that you stick up for your gum. And it, it sort of gets through the membrane and you have this, this sort of nicotine high with with snus. Uh, it's different to this to stuff that uh, that is sold in, in the UK, by the way, it's, it's certainly stronger. Um, what
0: country was this in?
1: Sweden, because Sweden. that's the epicenter. So okay. I could have actually got hold of, you know, a sort of variant of it, and you know, you know, I wanted to, to have the real deal whenever whenever that was possible. Uh, and that was the last one I had in in Sweden. a terrible experience, by the way. I was like uh, nicotine poisoning isn't isn't a happy place to be. Mm-hmm. And I don't smoke. so you know, on a number of occasions, I've been caught out in that. I, I got caught out in Vietnam when I went there at theek Lao Lao, which is it's not the uh, tobacco plant that cigarettes that are smoked in the u k or u s are, are made from it's. Uh, nicotinia rustica which is you know many times more powerful so you know you have a talk on this sort of bamboo pipe in the middle of an because there's guys and groups of guys around smoking this stuff so i i approached one of them this is really interesting and you know kind of have a talk of of, of the bog uh, and i'll I'll give you you know pay whatever and they, they wouldn't take the money but they did insist i sat down which I thought was quite weird. Uh, so it's okay, I sat down and uh, they showed me the packet it was coming from, because so I can't see the packet and I took a photograph and so I could, you know, make sure it was, you know, what it was. Uh, so I made several mistakes there. And I had one, this one deep talk on this bomb, and it was bang, you know, suddenly I'm gasping for breath. My brain's going hotter and hotter and hotter and my head's really hot and I'm sort of nearly collapsing. And the guys are just sort of laughing there because they've obviously seen this, this, yeah. uh, this film, this movie before. Um, and they after about 10 minutes, I am to sort of stagger down the road pretending I was okay, and I sort of go around the corner, i sit down on the floor again and, oh my God, I'm gonna die. Um, so yeah, nicotine poisoning is not is not a joy uh, to behold but yeah, traveling I, I tended to do that. As much as possible, um, and uh, have the experience in, in an authentic and, and, and normal setting. You know, as per source. I had a lot of uh, drug experiences in Amsterdam because, not partly because of supply, and partly because I didn't feel like I was going to be arrested every five minutes, which, which uh, for some drugs, you know, you do not want to go into a a psychedelic experience, highly stressed, thinking the police are going to come banging on the door in a minute, take you away. That's not the certain setting that's ideal for some sort of psychedelic experience. So yeah, I, I spent a lot of time in Amsterdam, but I toured every, every, every continent uh, and lots of countries. And one of the things I did on, on the alcohol page, which doesn't get a good rep, by the way, from the uh, alcohol, it's toxic and it's highly addictive mm. um on the alcohol page I, most of the countries and i missed a handful i, I had a I had a beer in each each country and i took a photograph of the beers so I have got a page with 33 or 34 little pictures yeah. of little beers in the world so that people can get a feel for which countries i actually went to while i was writing the book that's that's under alcohol. But uh, yeah, I, I did travel for 10 years um, fairly consistently. Um, and one of the reasons it took so long, by the way, it wasn't just the travel. It was when I tried each drug, I felt it was essential that I was clean, that I didn't have any residue from the previous drug experience in my system. You know, it wouldn't have been a, a, a good representation of... Yeah. of I don't know, pick a drug at random, let's go heroin, heroin again, if I was still struggling two days after a heavy experience with some stimulant or other, because it wouldn't have been a pure experience that was being documented, a clean experience. Uh, so I had to leave a gap between these different experiments, um, which, which I did. And then there was having to schedule and somehow get to all these different countries. Which was done massively ine- inefficiently. You know, I should have gone to Southeast Asia and perhaps done the different locations for the different drugs, rather than keep going backwards and forwards and backwards and forwards and backwards and, backwards and forwards, which is what what I tended to do. So I did a lot more um, errands than than I should have done during the the uh, the writing of the book. But it, it really had to be done that way to 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 uh, to provide best value from the experiences
0: okay by continent which um drug do you think was um, popular in each continent so north america south america europe <coughs> um
1: africa asia australasia um it you know it, some some you know some answers to that are quite quite simple there's a there's a stimulant called the uh Betel nut is not actually the nut; that's the active ingredient. But the little package you made in Southeast Asia and, and India, Myanmar, uh, parts of Thailand, uh, and it's just a, a stimulant that's sold on street corners from stalls, and you it's sort of wrapped up in uh, in a leaf with the nut inside, and you and perhaps lime or something, uh, and you, you chew it, and it's like a really really strong caffeine but more, with more clarity now one of the problems or problem one of the features of caffeine is is it, if you have a heavy dose it can become a bit blurry and jittery whereas mm. i didn't find that happen with a nut. but in some parts of southeast asia they mix it with tobacco and other substances which changes the changes the experience around and and again because it's you know, people who don't smoke, which myself, it can be quite sort of overwhelming and hot to actually chew this stuff. Uh, so that sort of part, I think that's the world's fourth most popular drug after after caffeine, tobacco, alcohol, and then it's better known. Uh So there's that, that around there. Um, in terms of recreational drugs in the back of the book there's a uh, a um little chart of in which country is this drug most popular and that's quite interesting you think that you know cocaine is going to be a really popular drug in 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 all the western countries well yeah it is but it's actually much lower down than methamphetamine in Australia for instance rather than in the uk it's the other way around so you know, that's that's in the book because, you know, people would basically ask the question you've just asked and wonder about the different popularities in the different countries. And that's derived from uh, United Nations data. I delved into that and sort of managed to suck out of it. I found a, uh, a report that, that had that information in it and, uh, and I replicated it in the book. Do you think the ecosystem
0: that the person's in... Um it makes them take a certain drug? So if you're in the Western world, you take a certain drug, and if you're in the Eastern world, you take a certain drug?
1: Is it because also of supply? possibly or availability. People? Yeah, I mean, better nuts all over the place in, 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 in this. and it's available and it's legal uh, and it grows there. So, uh, you know, availability is a big issue in terms of of the drug people consuming, I mean alcohol is popular all over the world and the reason is it's legal, yeah. not because it's the best drug, yeah. not because it's the most fulfilling experience, it's not because it's the most pleasant experience uh, because it simply isn't, it's just that it's a legal experience and therefore it's popular across the planet <laughs> um, ubiquitous in, in western culture uh, which is crazy when you think about it because uh, you know if you you know, if you, if you want to select a, a drug that's less harmful from, than, than alcohol, 90% of the contents of this book are less harmful than alcohol. Yeah. 90% uh, are more benign, less toxic, less addictive, but they're, they're illegal. You know, how's, how's that work? That's just ridiculous. Uh, and that's one of the war on drugs, drug arguments, drugs arguments is that, you know, if you actually made all drugs legal, you find a lot of the people who become addicted uh, uh, and, and die of alcohol poisoning, or you know, cause to bring about their death uh, through alcohol would would actually have chosen to intoxicate, if you like, which is the wrong word, on some more benign, less toxic drug. Uh, but because they haven't got that opportunity, they have to choose alcohol, which is one of the most dangerous drugs. Uh, In the world, Um, so it's just it's just insane. uh, Unfortunately, is there any countries that
0: have uh, legalized most drugs that have been able to make it
1: work? Uh, Well, nobody's legalized it really. Uh, There's, I think, British Columbia in in uh, in Canada are conducting trials where small quantities of of all drugs are are legal. I mean, you can. You can read the, uh, you know, the, you can predict what's going to happen. It's going to turn out well. I think it's a three-year uh, study. Uh, mm. I think alcohol oh, deaths are oh, one of the, one of the outcomes will will fall significantly, not significantly because, because people are, are already, you know, it's a generational problem alcohol now, because it's the go-to drug and it's sort of passed on and it's uh, ubiquitous to, to to the culture. Uh, but over time, one of the benefits would certainly be a uh, lower, uh, lower number of alcohol-related deaths and addictions and problems and issues, where of which there are a vast multitude uh, of them.
0: Okay. So what's the most expensive drug that you've taken? Most expensive
1: drug? Um, and how much was it? if you want It's difficult to say because it, it, it will vary depending on, you know, where, where I was. I mean, until 2016 it was, it was legal to import botanicals other than the specifically scheduled drugs like cannabis, uh, and opium. Uh, it was legal to import any psychoactive plant. Um, and some of the some of the you know some of the the stuff that I imported was quite expensive, uh, and I can't remember specific examples, but I think um, you know quite a few were, were cost me hundred pounds, you know, because I had to pay for the import and, and okay. the, the drugs themselves, and sometimes they'd only sell it in certain quantities, which were I don't need that much, I and mean, I'm just going to myself and throw it away um but if obviously I went to Brazil or wherever it was in the world it would be rel- it would be very cheap um and so I think there's there's that factor it influences the cost Cocaine at the moment is is insanely expensive um I think that's the best part of 100 pound for a gram um, which is you know five six times as expensive as Methamphetamine, speed. Uh, so that's probably the most expensive drug, regular drug on the market. And not just the, not just the UK, Europe as well. Uh, it's it's uh, extremely expensive uh, to to uh, to have that. Um, I mean, for me, obviously the travel was part of the expense as well. So going to places like you know like Southeast Asia and. I went to South Africa to try and find quail and, and I never managed to find it. So, you know, that was quite expensive.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and uh, yeah, so there's a lot of factors which will determine the expense of any particular drug. So it's it depends on where you're having it and uh, uh, as much as what you're having.
0: Did you go to India and try
1: any uh, drugs there? I went to India, yeah. I, I, I've been to India quite a number of times because uh, I really like India. Um, I I went there uh, originally and largely for Bangladesh. Um, okay. Bangladesh, a lot of parts of India, cannabis is legal because it's yeah. part of Hinduism and Shiva. Um, uh and you know if you go into the heart of shiva country say Varanasi, um you can get banglassi and like a sort of yogurt drip type drink that has cannabis infused via uh i think you make a ghee with it buttery with the kind of with hash in it you pour it into the drink and then you sort of drink drink it as an edible the problem with edibles with cannabis is it's 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 really easy to take too much, yeah. Uh, and you know, if you smoke it's not going to last very, very long. And you know, you come down relatively. If you if you drink it, you can have far more than you can have by just having a couple of talks on, on a bomb and it will last much much longer. Um, and and that was one of my uh, sort of. Well, less pleasurable experiences <laughs> because I, I, I went to those three shops in particular. I think there was the, the, a shop which I can't pronounce, a, a Lassie shop. There was the blue Lassie shop, There's there was something, well, the green Lassie shop. So I went to the green Lassie shop, and I, I got my Bang Lassie, drank it. And, of course, half an hour later, I'm going through the streets thinking, ah, oh, yes, now I'm starting to feel quite relaxed and isn't this cool. And then because of this overcame it was far too strong. I started to feel sort of everything sort of had an ang- an edge of anxiety and, <laughs> and and hostility to it, and the noise was becoming a bit overwhelming. Yeah, and I'm thinking, and I was getting frightened. <laughs> so I think, all oh, right, oh my God, right, okay, I'm going down to the, the, the river. I'm going going down to the Ganges, Yeah. and I'll just sit down and settle down. I'm just being overwhelmed here because. India's a fantastic place for the senses it's 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 loud there's noises it's colorful it's so fantastic. much fun. yeah it's 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 fantastic but if you if you if you've had too much cannabis so, <laughs> so I went down to the river thinking I'm gonna I'll be okay I'll be okay you're okay you've had just had too much cannabis and of course I get down to the river and uh, and the traditional Burial ceremonies are underway, and the burning bodies. So I'm down there, and I'm sort of thinking, sit down and watch this. And then I'm sort of seeing these gruesome bodies being, and I'm thinking, oh my god, <laughs> I can't <laughs> stand this anymore. So, so I run back up to the streets <laughs> You know, the the dead. Uh, and then, are you think, usually I, by yourself
0: when you, when you're having these trips,
1: or? I, I was on this did... occasion. No, no, actually okay. I was with someone on this one, on this yeah. one and, and you've got to take me, I've got to go back, I've got to go back, I've got to, I've got to go to the hotel which is about five miles away near mm. the train station. So we go back, go back up and and, and and I get a, 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 a tuk-tuk. Um, and of course that's the next, this is the ultimate, uh, the Big Dipper, the uh, you know, you're know you in the back of this tuk-tuk with this driver and motorbike and Indian roads, <laughs> loud noises swerving all over the place and I'm absolutely terrified. I mean, by this time my mouth is going dry because of the effect of the cannabis and I've got no fluid, no water. My mouth sticking, to, oh, sticking together. My mouth, my knuckles are white because I'm grabbing, grasping onto this and sort of railing. There's a sort of whizzing, and cars are coming from every direction. Oh, no, what in that man? Eventually, it seemed like that seemed to go on forever. Eventually, I got back to the hotel, and I was, I was okay. And that's in the book because it's the sort of thing that, you know, people need to be told. You don't yeah. want to go through that. You want to go to the, to the to the Lassie shop and say, look, give me a really, really small amount. I don't want to be paranoid or anxious. Let me see what you're doing here. And you can give me a little amount, and then you'll be sort of chilled and have a nice nice sort of experience.
0: Don't <laughs> Which, they usually do like a, a low, mild, and then a high
1: dose? <laughs> you're they, supposed to say uh, Lassie Light. Uh, but I thought that... You know, it's only cannabis. You know, oh, wow. I, I could spend every summer in in Amsterdam. Uh, you know, around the coffee shops. You know, I can handle cannabis. Uh, <laughs> <to> be, <laughs> little did you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, you you can and you should, but I didn't. I did. You know, that sort of brought on the lesson that edibles are are edibles, and yeah. if you're going to eat cannabis you're going to, you know, there are special considerations that you should be taking to make sure that you don't sort of delve down this this sort of hole into into sort of anxiety. And uh, you can find the things you can do to get out of it under normal circumstances. You can sing, you can eat black peppers, you can do various things to distract yourself. But if you're in the wrong place, you know, like the middle of Varanasi, um, then... There's nothing that you can actually do about it because it's all coming at you, and you're you're having to react to, to the sort of here and now rather than thinking, oh, I'm having, a, I'm anxious. Do something quick. Put some music on, or or go and you know, which which is what you can do normally. Yeah. Uh, but if you're if you're out in a major city, you can't. You do doesn't just apply to, to cannabis edibles, by the way. It's certainly applies to psychedelics. I had a similar experience in Amsterdam with um, with uh, magic truffles. Uh, I had it, it, it's, it's sort of complacency and and, and and arrogance to some degree because of the, you know I had a lot of experience. I got a box of magic truffles, and all these are particularly. Powerful, but you know you would be okay because of your experience, uh, Okay, so I eat them, and uh, so we got to the uh, Amsterdam Museum, full of paintings of the old Dutch masters from the uh, 16th and 17th century, and and then after a while, these characters in these paintings are starting to look threatening. You know, they sort of really sort of got frowns on the faces. And, and the walls are starting to move around a bit. You know, it's a psilocybin experience. And, and and I'm sort of, again, becoming a bit overwhelmed. I think, oh God, you know, take me back to the hotel. Uh, the problem is it's the opposite end again. It always happens, the opposite end of the city. So I have to go on a hot summer day through the middle of the crowded Amsterdam with them. And it's the noise, you know, you, you suddenly, you, you hear the noises more acutely acutely and, and yeah you know the vision of it and it's just so hot and so I had to get myself with a bit of help through Amsterdam on a hot summer day. And again once I'm back at the hotel I'm okay. So I've closed my eyes and you got the quintessential uh, snakes intertwining the colours and it's it's quite nice but in the wrong settings, in the wrong setting, in the wrong place. Uh, on, on a significant dose, it's it's absolutely not what you want to experience. Um, and I'm not sure how I got onto this this subject, but uh, I, you know, I was asking
0: it, if you went to India and you tried some drugs. Oh, there. India,
1: yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. India, yeah. And, and I, 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 India is a, a a really really nice place to go for. You know, the, one of the reasons I went to India a lot was that towards the end of the book, I've got this section called drug tourism. And these are, and what, what I document is particular parts in the world that are going to be of significant interest to people who are interested in drugs and psychedelics um, in particular, but not just psychedelics, but, but drugs in general as well. Um, and India is of particular interest because uh, there's something called the hippie trail from the nineteen 19- late 60s and early 70s where the hippies would go through Europe and they'd, they'd, uh, they'd take the hash in their LSD uh, and they'd go to various places in northern India. Bangkok was another, uh, Sri Lanka was another um, and they left the mark behind. So there's certainly like Rishikesh which has got the Beatles ashram. The Beatles went to Rishikesh in India and the, the, the ashram they stayed at they wrote the, the the entirety of the White Album in, in India in rishikesh but uh, the, the 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 place they stayed at has been adorned with psychedelic graffiti, and it's really really interesting, and it's the yoga center of the world, which is you know and there's there's Buddhism and Hinduism going on around there. So anyone who's into psychedelics and um, and learning from psychedelics and and psychedelic experiences. I kind of loved these places. I did. I love that. I went to um, uh, McLeod Ganges, that were the Dalai Lama. I went to see the Dalai Lama. Um, uh, Goa, the the um, psytrance was was invented there. The psy- psychedelic trance music, as as uh, the hippies left the mark there, from the from the hippie trail. Because the hippie trail is synonymous with drugs and drug culture and hippie culture left. Left uh, had an impact and left a permanent mark. It's a feature of a lot of these places, uh, and uh, and uh, there's quite a few of them in India, which is why I kept going back there, and because I knew I wanted to document some of them to put in the uh, the drug tourism section of the book.
0: Why do you uh, think so- uh, drugs drugs get related? Like in some religions, people within those religions, you have sects
1: where they <laughs> will have. Uh, certain drugs that they will take. Why do you think that is? Well, there's, 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 there's the, you know, it varies across the world. I mean, there's the, the, the probably the richest of all is in the, is the, is in the Amazon in, in South America, with the Shermans, and and they, they are they are very much DMT uh, oriented, which is dimethyltryptamine. It's a psychedelic, strong psychedelic, and uh, they they consume it. I mean, there are various others as well, but they consume it in ayahuasca and drink it. There's various seeds that, that uh, uh, have short-term impact where you uh, uh, your pour seeds, several seeds, uh, where you sort of powder, turn it to powder and snort it and you have a sort of head rush and a psychedelic sort of uh, experience, which isn't very comfortable if it wasn't for me. Uh, and, and, and there, you know, the, the, sh- the shamanic cultures there, which is, um, you know, they, it's a way of, I mean, there's different different slants to it. You know, the people who communicate with, with other realms and shaman will, will, uh, will be the source of the communication. And, you know, it's, it's all <coughs> historic. You move across to Southeast Asia and, and uh, you know, Buddhism, uh, meditation, uh expansion of consciousness. I mean these are you start entering enter a whole terminology which is which is extremely similar to psychedelic terminology in fact uh in the in the psychedelic section at the start of the book I do I produce an alignment to give quick of of uh Psychedelics, here we are. Okay. Uh, of different levels of consciousness, uh, how consciousness evolves from um, you know, childhood to become an adult, and, and potentially when you're fully grown adult, you can enhance your consciousness and your general awareness through meditation, but also through yoga, um, and through various psychedelic drugs. And people have done work on this. Robert, Timothy Leary and uh, Robert Anton Wilson actually uh, created a, a sort of chart, give you an idea of different levels of consciousness which is stimulated by different psychoactive drugs. And, and it won't surprise you to learn. just The lower levels of consciousness tend to be Stimulated by opioids and then alcohol and stimulants. You know, alcohol is part of the one of the low ones because it makes you egotistic, territorial, hmm. uh, which is one of the pr- primitive sort of levels of consciousness. Hmm. Whereas you move up the levels of conscious, the higher up the scale you get, you get obviously you get into the psychedelics, which expand consciousness and, and self-reflection. Uh, and oneness with nature um, and these are all terms which is synonymous in different words to buddhism yeah so you know you tend to find that a lot of a lot of certain a lot of western people who are interested in psychedelics are also interested in buddhism and travel to that part of the world an awful lot uh, and it and carry a different set of set of uh, set of drugs uh classes of drugs so yeah i mean i mean lots of re lots of uh, hinduism and, and and buddhism but there's, there's others as well but, and there's you know it's it's, it's a hotly debated topic of, of what the intoxicants were of certain certain religions i mean soma is a is is a was a, a psychoactive allegedly apparently i've got to be careful because it, this is area areas that <laughs> Does, yeah. does create heated debates yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. because the contents are are sort of disputed. I mean, some people are arguing, well, it's this tree that there's this this ancient soma, which is part of the uh, the, the northern Indian tradition. It's this tree that's got DMT in it, and there are others that are arguing nonsense. It's these mushrooms that yeah. are that you know so. Yeah, but you know, you've you tend again because they they tend to psychedelics expand consciousness and awareness, and they enable different perspectives. Um, you can easily see how that could be used in a sort of religious scenario, quasi religious scenario, or philosophical Buddhist type scenario, um, and 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 that can be is used in those different types of uh, historical contexts So. so...
0: Do you meditate at all to try to get to that kind of place? I try to
1: um, convince myself. Oh, that's the wrong word because because I, because I can sort of do it. That this this this, this zone where you, you 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 sort of you fork and think, okay, you are not you are, you are not your thoughts. You are actually. I am actually the awareness behind my thoughts. How do I know that? I know that because. If I'm thinking about something that's depressing, it can be something trivial like, you know, how terrible the football went this weekend and what we're going to go down, you know. And I'm thinking, no, stop thinking about this, man. You're depressing yourself. I've become aware of my thoughts and I've chosen to think about something differently. Yeah. So therefore, I am not my thoughts. I am the awareness behind the thoughts. And that's, my, that's usually my starting point for some sort of meditation and some sort of journey of reflection. And I prefer launching with that under the influence of uh, a, a psychedelic drug. You know, why, you might say, um, aren't you being lazy? And the answer is yes. Uh, honestly, I mean, what, why would I struggle <laughs> Well would I've struggled sitting, okay. No, no, come back, stop thinking about that. You know, when I can I can take a, a substance and I know half an hour, an hour later, I can launch into into an area and really get something out of it and not keep sort of being distracted by trivia and thoughts about something I don't want to think about or worries or concerns. Um and I guess that's sort of partially answering the, the earlier question about why is it intrinsic to certain certain drugs sense. intrinsic to certain quasi-religions and philosophers? Yeah. Because they make it for, you know, typical uh, Shiva, Hinduism, uh, cannabis, do the same sort of thing with it. No. You know, so you've got uh, a drug which will enable deeper contemplation. Uh, a, a, more in, a more intensive introspection, or a change of perspective, or or more more uh, a firmer control of the thought process. Um, so uh, yeah, I don't I don't meditate much without <laughs> psychedelics. I try to catch myself and keep reminding myself that I am not my thoughts, <laughs> because not being your thoughts is a really good place to be. Yeah. You know, it's a, I know it sounds weird to people who've 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 never sort of studied or or considered meditation or consciousness, but you know, it's, you know, it's thoughts that destroy you and upset you and depress you uh, and and actually getting a grip on on thought itself by detaching yourself and actually keep reminding yourself. Uh, is, a, is a healthy thing to do, uh, which is why people meditate. I mean, they're doing that. I mean, they can sit there for hours doing I can't do that. I can momentarily for for a short while, I'm, I'm the awareness behind the thoughts to just stop thinking about it. Just, you know, this isn't this great. I've got senses. I can see, I can touch, I can feel, I can smell, and this is an adventure. And just get into that frame of mind because I'm aware of this. With the and thought is another sense, um, and and you I can get into that zone, but I can't go too much further, uh, because I just I'm lazy. Okay, uh, it's easy just to take a, a, a psychedelic drug or a low dose of a psychedelic drug, and that will carry me further.
0: Western, most Western religions don't,
1: uh, take drugs in order to fill this, do they? No, I mean uh, they don't, and, and the, this is you know this is this is why you know I'm 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 not religious um, because I have a problem with oh you have got to have the faith well faith is like an excuse for dif- for for uh, suspending logic or you've got to believe Jesus or whatever or God you know and sorry mate. I can't. Because Which one's right? That's sort of suspended logic. I want evidence.
0: Yeah.
1: I want to understand. Uh, you now I find that uh, you know what I do with psychedelics helps me understand, and that's why I have a more closer affinity to Buddhism and Hinduism because that's closer to not suspending logic. You know, it's closer. To, you know, Buddhism in particular is 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 you know. Some people do argue it's philosophy and not religion,
0: yeah.
1: uh, because it's sort of technique and method of measurement of, against, you know, Buddha's Buddha's teachings and and sort of, you know, self self propulsion into a higher realm uh, through uh, meditation, you know, and I can I can understand that, and I'm not having to suspend sense or logic or rationality to sort of Sort of yeah, I can I can I can buy that, and and yeah, I do it this way, uh, whereas sort of Western uh, religions are are more sort of no, long since you've got to believe that uh, no no I don't have to actually believe that, and I don't, uh, so either you know that's I don't know why that is, uh, and you know perhaps it's. You know, Western religion is very institutional. The churches have traditionally been very powerful institutions, yeah. and, and, and men want to wield power, and governments want to use churches to control populations. So I think that's part of the reason that uh, the Western religions have developed as they have. You know, that's not going to make me <laughs> any friends with with uh, with groups of people, but I'm sorry, that's what I I see. Uh, and how it's developed and, and why it's developed that way.
0: Okay.
1: The other question
0: I had was, uh, you talked about chemsex, could you explain what that
1: means, what it is? Chemsex is, uh, is often misunderstood. I mean people say certain drugs to enhance the sexual experience. Um, Make it more pleasurable, sustainable, deeper—you know, uh, more intense pleasure. Uh, you know, and and people misunderstand. People say, "Oh, I've got, i got I enjoy sex more after, you know, after some alcohol." No, after GHB, no. Uh, the chemsex drugs, um, and I've, I've I've got a section at the start again specifically on on chemsex because people get into trouble in this area and and it's because they're not they're not well informed. I've described the chemsex drugs as, as 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 a stimulant. Uh, one of the byproducts of of uh, methamphetamine and, methadone and and speed and to a lesser degree cocaine okay, uh, is that if you're in the in a sort of sexual situation whether it's pornography or or a sexual encounter with another individual, or whatever it is, um, you're, 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 ent- you're, you're developing a sort of dopamine rush naturally. That's what's chemically happening uh, serotonin, especially dopamine, because it's primal, it's reproduction. Um, these drugs do the same thing. They produce serotonin mm. and dopamine in you know, some of them. So you immediately combine the term and you're sort of propelling the sexuality, the sexual experience to a high watermark the, at, at a level that you're never, ever actually going to encounter without the drug because your brain's going to be full of more dopamine, more serotonin, and it's going to be focused on this, a sexual encounter, a sexual situation. And it's it's, you know it will be the best sexual experience of likely to be of your life by a long way uh, cannabinoids similar but different in the, there's less dopamine and less but it, it can tr- carry your mind to to different areas uh, and 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 uh, what words do i use uh, helping you get lost in the moment and flow with it that's basically how we do it. Low doses of, of psychedelics do similar thing to cannabis but they some of them tend to create tactility so you can feel more more you know you're more aware of feel and touch and your sensory organs are more astute, more functional. So if you're having a, a sexual experience you're gonna you know have more feeling. You know, an MDMA is empathogens is, is, uh, is also creating empathy, so that's a different sort of chemsex experience, but similar in some ways to the psychedelics. So you've got these these four different types of chemsex experience. You've know, got sort of primal, the sort of mental, you know, flowing with it, and then you've got the empathogens and the flowing with it, and the empathogens of sort of uh, openness and love, which which uh, ecstasy and so on invoked so you've got these which is fine but you can probably start to see what risks that you're going to uh you're, you're going to uh, introduce if you're actually in this situation using the drug um and i've tried one two three four risks um i've already mentioned a high water mark can be reached especially with the stimulants that you're not going to reach without the drug now think about the aftermath when you when you when you've had this experience you're not going to be able to reach this sexual nirvana without the drug so immediately you've got this this sort of motive to i want more of it yeah i want to do it again yeah uh the other point side of that coin is that sexual activity without that drug Will be relatively unfulfilling, you know. So because you've had this wonderful experience or more than one, without it, it's a bit dull. Now, it takes a long time for that to even out and, and, and to actually get back. If you've, particularly if you've um, if you've had a, a multiple, you know, a period of doing this with chemsex with a stimulant. You are know, you in a situation which is going to take quite a long time to recover, um, and it's not a good place to be because you're you, you're going to want to be taking this drug because you've combined it with with you know, one of the most pleasurable experiences in life. Normally, you put the two together and they become interlocked, and that's that's a, that can be a real problem. Um, yeah, judgment because again, it's it's, it's largely the stimulant uh, characteristics because you're caught in this situation where you, 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 your brain is so full of dopamine uh, in particular, judgment, you're gonna do things that you might go further than you might want to under normal circumstances and do engage in certain activities you might not want to when you're you know, sober, when you are sober. Um, the words I've used here are burning my, Bear in mind that under the influence, restraint and judgment are often impaired and that events can develop quickly and potentially without due deliberation. And it's probably not the best idea for a single party to heavily engage whilst the other party doesn't. Equally, parameters and boundaries should be agreed by all parties uh, beforehand. So you have got this situation where your judgment is going to be flawed because you're really into the situation and the last one i've got is is uh, compound stress and compound stress is you know you, you you're engaged in something that's strenuous some strenuous activity which is sexual activity and then you're having drugs as well that's going to put quite a lot of stress on your body so if you're not if you've got a dodgy heart and you've got any sort of physical problem uh, you might get away with the sex, but you're not going to get away necessarily with the sex and the drugs at the same time. Yeah. So you're basically uh, invoking these risks with chem sex. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's it's pleasure, and and but the risks are are there, and for certain people and certain of these drugs, they are not trivial. They're not. They are non-trivial risks. So I would obviously uh, sort of recommend that you think really carefully about whether you want to do that. And and if you do, be very, very careful.
0: Is there any other drugs that you're looking
1: forward to take in other parts of the world? (laughs) Uh, Not really. I mean, I I spent in total after I did 10 years for the first edition of the book, I spent 12, 12 to 14 years doing this. So I hunted down every drug i could get my hands on um i mean there's a couple i didn't manage to get but the fact that i couldn't get them means job the public is most unlikely to ever encounter these things mm. because i believe me i i was willing to travel to the other side of the planet just to try just to get my hands on a, 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 any drug try it um, and uh, so there's none that is sort of on my bucket list there that I would say I would necessarily burning ambition to try it because I made sure it was was in the book beforehand.
0: Uh, The drug you tried to get in South Africa, what was its name?
1: Yeah, Quailoops. Do you want to try that? I, I went there because you can't get hold of this. It's a sort of, it's a weird drug. It's like a, it was legal originally in the early 60s. Mm-hmm. it got made illegal and it's like a sort of <laughs> sedative but it's got certain features to it. Uh, so it's not one I'm really that interested but I also wanted to try it through curiosity. though well, I didn't expect to get too much from it should I get a hold of it. And and I tried and I, bet I went everywhere I went. I uh, said, so can I get quail now? It's not, it's not synthesized anymore, mate. You know, nobody's... And then I, I sort of read... And I think I saw something on Vice where it's still available in parts of South Africa. So I went to um, Cape Town and went in the chemist. Uh, Now, they either wouldn't give it to me (laughs) or they didn't have it. Um, (laughs) But I was really, I knew it was a long shot when I went, but I thought, well, if I don't do the extra mile, and I think oh you could have had quaaludes in there if you've actually got to South Africa. Well, I did go, and I failed. So again, it's it's you know Joe Public or anyone who buys the book, the chances of them getting hold of this thing are almost negligible. You know so I've,
0: don't, I don't I've heard it. of that drug of quaaludes is the the film that Leonardo DiCaprio did in Wolf
1: yes. of Wall Street, and he takes Wolf, Wolf of Wall Street. Street. That's yeah. in there. That's that popularized it, but not enough yeah. for. For anybody to resynthesize it again, I was so I'm sort of hoping after that film that, that some Chinese lab would try and yeah. synthesize it's it. Make but some money, it ne- Never really happened. Yeah. Never really happened, unfortunately. There's variants. I mean, I bought um, when I said I've tried, I really did try, it, but I bought uh, on the market. I bought uh, some quaaludes. I thought it was quaaludes and everything, so it was. So I got it and then I had it tested. Um, and it turned out to be this this analog called SNL 165 I think it is um, highly dangerous uh, very toxic not particularly like que so I didn't I didn't have it uh, so I was missold I mean that's the sto- that's another reminder I've documented that as you know test your gear you know if you're gonna you get something that you're not so, absolutely certain is what you think it is test it. Have it tested. Send it to be tested. Get a test kit. You know, especially these days with with because uh, there's lots of uh, opioids that are uh, problematic. So, you know, always test. Don't leave it to chance. I could have run into serious trouble had I just popped it in my mouth and eaten it, which I didn't do. But threw it away.
0: Okay,
1: I've got two more questions. A lot.
0: Second to last question is: most people in the Western world. Not as much in the eastern world have mental health problems, uh, and they usually try to find a way out through going to psychedelic retreats. Do you think yeah. they may be useful trying to go to those uh, retreats? What it depends on
1: the, on the on the on the particular problem. I think um, if you, if you've got mental health problems, I'd seek specialist advice before doing it. But if you're, I mean, I know people that have been cured from addiction. Mm. Uh, and and it, it, again it's when I was in uh, in Cusco in, in, in Peru, most of the people were uh, doing the ayahuasca experience were there because they were addicted mm. to alcohol or or some other drug <laughs> and and it has it's not the only psychedelic as well San Simon, has a very high success rate. Um, again, because it's, it's this sort of mental perspective, you, you you get a different perspective of your own life, as though you're not you, uh, and you can actually ask questions of, of it's really weird. Um, and afterwards, you know, you're almost a sort of got a different mentality. Um, so I can see why it is a cure. So I would say if you are addicted and you're in last chance saloon. Um, you know, I would go, I would, I would, you know, it's, it's, but uh, if I've got some, some mental disorder, you know, I'm not qualified to say that somebody should go or not go, it depends on what it is, uh, because it is going to, you know, it, it depends what the, what, the, what the actual problem is, I think. Uh, I was just asking what,
0: because I've seen t- um, scientists do studies and they're trying yeah. to figure out if it may work or not so i was wondering what your thoughts
1: depression are. i mean if you if you, if, you, if depression yeah same 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 sort of effect as as um as addiction because you're going to have take different perspectives because you're going to experience perhaps higher conscious states of consciousness uh, your neural, your existing neural network, which is going to be sort of fixed in this sort of addictive cycle, is going to be broken down and weakened. Neural plasticity, I think, it's called. Yeah. And neural plasticity that gives you an opportunity to recalibrate into a non-depressed state or a non-addicted state. So if you if you're seriously depressed, I would, you know, again, me personally, I would go on and try that try that out. I mean, the trials, as you as you've've you've, you've referred to already are massively encouraging, massively encouraging. It's an area of science and medicine that's been uh, outrageously banned for decades. Yeah. People have suffered anguish and mental health when light in all likelihood they, they, they needn't have done because of politicians and because of the war on drugs. So if it's if your mental illness is is some form of depression, um, I would suggest that uh, that that yes, there there is definitely something to that, and it may well be beneficial.
0: Yeah. And lastly, what does your day to day look like now?
1: Are you retired? Day to day.
0: Are you still working?
1: Uh, I'm. At the moment, I've I've uh, I've only just finished the book in September, the last version yeah. of it. Uh, so that's come out. I've been doing a lot of media stuff. I've had a couple of well, I've got a TV crew coming here in a week, two weeks. Um, I've just been sort of sorting everything out that's not been sorted out. Uh, what I do next, I don't know. Um, I'm going to. I went to Bangkok a few weeks ago because it's not static out there. I've I've got Bangkok documented in the book as a destination. Well, in June, out of the blue, more or less, cannabis was made legal in Thailand. Uh, Incredible. So I I went back in September. No, I went back in September. I went back in uh, December, November, December, just to look, and it was, you know, the main tourist area is every, every 20 metres, you've got an opportunity to purchase cannabis. It's incredible. And it's fun for, for someone who's, who who does like to engage from time to time, uh, but I wasn't there for four days. So I'm going back again in two weeks for- Was there any another... similarities
0: between Amsterdam and Bangkok? Was it like the Amsterdam of Asia?
1: Some similarities, I mean, Amsterdam always provides the opportunity to consume on on the premises, uh, and right. it's, it's coffee shops. Uh, there are some places in um, Bangkok. You know, there were there were a month, two months ago, places in Bangkok where where you could smoke or in in house, uh, but the vast majority were you buy it and you go somewhere. But the problem is, where do you go? Mm. because you're not allowed to smoke in the street, you know. Uh, And, you you know, if you're in a hotel, they're not going to take too kindly to you're rocking up there with a smoking cannabis. So I found that sort of, okay, well, you're going to find somewhere that's quiet. and So that's a difference, whereas Amsterdam is very sort of organised. And if you smoke in the street, nobody cares. But I really don't want to break the law in... uh, in, in Thailand and <laughs> get arrested for smoking in the street because the judicial system I just remember what it's what it's been like over the years in, with respect to drugs uh, and um, so that's the only, so it's not really like Amsterdam but it, it, obviously to the extent that you can buy cannabis pretty much everywhere uh, it is like Amsterdam and it's a really nice city to, to you know if you know if you know it well as i as i i tend to do i've been there quite a few times for um as a hub i mean i found that when when i was going around asia so many times uh you, you'd always have a hub and it used to be bangkok because you'd fly into bangkok and then out to somewhere else so i'd use that as a hub and that's have two or three days there and and uh, go and have a few beers and see something, you know. It's, it's a Buddhist centre, so I see the reclining Buddha and the temples, because uh, you know, I quite like that sort of stuff. Uh, so I know Bangkok quite quite well. So I do like it. So it's it's in a way, it is the sort of Bangkok of of the um, of the Far East of, the, of Southeast Asia. But in other ways, it, it isn't. And it's certainly a nice place to go and. And, uh, and smoke weed now, and see things. Didn't you uh,
0: try any cover? Cover is it called cover? Cover, yeah. In yeah, South- kava,
1: kava. Southern yeah, Pacific. Yeah, like, parts re- really nice. Is it? Um, it's like, a, it's a drink, um, and you have it with fruit, and I could mm. ask for co- a coconut or a, or a pineapple if you want, but it's a drink, and without, without the fruit in it, it's sort of white, milky, Thing, and you drink it like you drink beer, uh, so you know a couple of them, three, two or three of those, and it's like an inebriation, and, and, and you're using an inebriation specifically because you feel like you're a bit drunk, you know, two or three pints drunk, but not with the bad bits, not with the sort of you're fuzzy, and then after three pints or, or something, you start turning into a jerk, which is what happens with people because yeah. your ego explodes and your mouth starts operating and your social cueing goes to, you know, so that doesn't happen. Uh, you just need a nice inebriation. Everything's slightly off key. You're quite sedated. Uh, I really, really enjoyed CarboCarbo. Um, I, you know, so much so that I went to San Francisco last, this time last month, last year, to check out the cannabis industry for, for that. Um, and also to try and track down some Carver carver because I knew there was a couple of Carver carver bars in and um, craton places in uh, in San Francisco. Uh, so I went over there and unfortunately it was they were just coming out of COVID, so none of these places were were open. Otherwise I would have definitely gone gone to those because carver's, I think it's quite a nice uh, quite a nice experience, uh, it's like alcohol, like but without, but with most of the bad stuff taken out of it. Okay. Have you had kava?
0: No, I've not had kava No, you've
1: yeah. just heard of it. Okay. I've heard
0: of it. I've okay. heard of quite a lot of it. Or quite a lot of it on YouTube. So I was wondering uh, what it was like.
1: Yeah, that's what it's like. It's 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 very pleasant, and uh, and and you tend to retain more control and no hang no hangover or anything the next day for me there's another was, uh, drug called chat k-h-a-t have you tried that? that is one of the you know there was that uh, you can't get that anymore unless you go to somalia
0: hmm.
1: uh i mean people keep saying taxi drive Somalian taxi drivers can get it for you
0: hmm.
1: i keep asking people <laughs> people you know taxi drivers do you know a Somalian taxi driver <laughs> do you know where to get carts on I never have that That's it's I think it's that that uh, methadone can be derived from which is okay. why it's called MCAT I might be wrong on that uh I know it's nothing like it's like coca leaves and cocaine I'd um I'd coca leaves when I was in in uh, uh South America uh, which is what cocaine is derived from, and it's like a really mild stimulant can take and chew, to it and and modern up to much. And I'm guessing that uh, the cat will be like that. Methadrone is like the cocaine equivalent of of uh, coca cocaine from coca. is the equivalent of that from from cat. Uh, no. Have you heard of craton? No, I haven't heard of craton. Okay, surprise. That's a um that that's that's again that's from Southeast Asia, uh and it's like an opioid but it's not an opioid. Uh, lots of similar sort of relaxation and mood lift. Uh, but it's the worst taste in the world. Uh, I mean I, I quite like it, but I can't get past the taste. You know, you try and try and disguise it in yogurt or fruit drink or whatever, and it has this tendency not to, not to mix. You know, I thought I've mixed it up really well in, in, in this, and yet you're still tasting it dry in your mouth. You know, that's that's a similar sort of thing. It's a plant that's that's really widely used in certain parts of the world. Okay, that's most of the
0: questions I had. So, yeah, thank Good. you.
1: No problem at all. If you, Is there anything if you, else
0: you want to talk about?
1: Uh, not particularly. If you if you think of something later that you need, and just just let me know, and I'm more than happy to to, to do a do a, 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 another quick one and and fill any gaps that you might think there are. Uh, but you know the the, the end message, I guess, should be, um, you know people die through error and lack of knowledge and ignorance, don't be one of them. You know, do the the homework, do the research, practice harm reduction, risk mitigation, and look after yourself Uh, because, uh, you know, you can mitigate the risk significantly with a lot of these drugs, you can't eliminate it, but you can can give yourself a much better chance of, of not becoming a casualty if you just think, and actually do a bit of preparation and work. Uh, and don't become complacent.
0: That's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this video, because I was just so curious, because I haven't yeah. taken very many different drugs, and mm-hmm. um, I was just wondering about these different drugs, how they work, where they can be taken, the dosage, and everything like this. And I think most people just don't know.
1: Most people are they unaware. Don't think, I mean, one of the reasons for the Ten Commandments at the start of the book is because they apply to all drugs. Yeah. You know, there's just ten things there. From you know, do some work on the drug to to find out what the doses are, uh, find out how long they last. You know, ten simple things uh, that you know. If you just do those, most people don't do those. You know, it's most people take what they don't you know. take. Yeah, it's a lack of a way to take, You know, uh, uh, one of the one of the killers is. You know, somebody will try a drug, you know, let's use heroin again. Uh, I want to try all my mates use it. So I'll have what they're having, that'll be okay. That's the dose. No, they've got huge tolerance. You have the dose, you're dead. You know, so that's, you know, the, those, those Ten Commandments, those simple rules at the, at the start of the book, you know, there should be a start point and they should never, ever be skipped. Now, okay, all, every page as it on the little thing at the bottom of them, 636 pages don't skip the safety measures you know because they're important don't skip them just you know those t- little ten commandments there they're not hard everybody can do them uh, and if everybody did it they'd save an awful lot of lives